It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. It's time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. I'm Brother L.D. Azobra. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Count Time Podcast. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a great podcast because we got so much happening today. But I got it, my friend here, like I say, Thad Minaldi, who we I mean attorney Thad Minaldi. Because we go back a long ways. He decided to go to law school back in the days. Now, Thad, first of all, give us a little background on yourself. Where is Thad Minaldi from? How'd you come about? Who are your people? I was born and raised in Lake Charles, went to St. Louis High School. My parents moved to Lake Charles from Morgan City in Berwick, Louisiana, so that my dad could work at the City Service Oil Refinery oh, out uh, there. Uh, yeah. who, who's, from, who's from Morgan City or Berwick? My mother was from Berwick. Her last name was Plessala, and my father was from Morgan City, and it was Minaldi, Minaldi Meat Market, and the Russos, so that, that, they, so, that so was our family. So y'all Italians then? Sicilians, Sicilian? I should say. Yes. Oh, okay, I used to say Italian until one of my great uncles corrected me. Oh, you get this, get this, get this correct. We didn't know, right. exactly. know damn Italians. <laughs> we some Sicilians. That's, exactly. that's a big difference. Huh? Exactly. Well, hold on. Now. I never know. Why you never told me this now? We did. We talked about it one time because we. I told you, we, well, and you don't remember, this was I so sure many years know. ago. We drove through Franklin all the time, I, coming I, and going to Morgan I, City I, and right. Berwick. And... Uh, Probably one of my best memories as a, chi- a young child is driving through Franklin at Christmas time, going down the the um, Main Street. Oh, the, the, with the, all the, the beautiful decorations yeah. and the and the music, that was just wonderful. And they call it they call it the post, the light post. We got the yeah. most beautiful light post yeah. right there in Franklin, Louisiana. Yeah. And we we always like to spotlight it during our holiday season. Yes, that's, indeed. It's the best time to come through Franklin. It's all no, it's always a great time to come through Franklin. Yes, but, indeed. But I, I don't remember that. I don't remember your okay. family being. So you mm-hmm. are there from the St. Mary Parish St. Ma- Mary Parish, right. They, they, was ra- they was reared and grew up there too. Both my parents, yes. They both oh. came from big families and they both were, they, they were there all their lives until they moved to Lake Charles. So, so but you spent a lot of time in St. Mary Parish as, yeah. as a young child? I was, I was very lucky. My mother's mother was a young grandmother and she would take my older brother and I water skiing, crabbing, fishing, because she was so young, she'd play plastic bat and ball with us in the, in the yard. And it was just really a, a wonderful summer experience. We would go, I guess, we'd spend about six, six weeks every summer until we were dumb enough to be playing serious sports and had to go report for training and then we couldn't go anymore. And my mother's, my father's mother and her family had a meat market and a grocery store over in Morgan City, right by the railroad, right by the Catholic church. And we would spend time there too. And it was just the greatest old house. You know, we would, we'd hide up and down the stairs and just really had a wonderful time there. So you grew up in Lake Charles Charles. as a, that's was your birthplace? Yes, my siblings and I were all born in Lake Charles. Now, now what, why did your mom and dad move to Lake Charles? My dad got a job at City Service Oil Refinery, and yep. that was a big job, a good job. And So, so the, his, the, your grandparents were the one who had the meat market? Yes, okay. yes, yes. And um, my, grand, my, my, father, my dad's father, whom I never met, he died as a young man, um, had family living in... Lake Charles, and they got my dad the job. The family in Lake Charles and Sulphur, Louisiana, got my okay. dad the job at City Service. All right. Yeah. Well, and I remember when I remember well when you and Mike Johnson mm-hmm. came to LSU. I couldn't believe how fast you were. 
and I couldn't believe how, what a great forearm and how, how quick Mike Johnson was. I was just really in awe of what y'all could do. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, yeah, but we have another connection too, and, and I lost my father a month before I reported for LSU the very first time, and you lost your father in August of one year, if, if I remember I, correctly. I, I lost my father my freshman year, but in April of the following year. Okay. It was my freshman year. Okay, but okay. I, and I, I, do, I do recollect hearing that story yeah. about the loss of your father. Yeah, too. and okay. I remember we visited a couple times about that right. at the dinner table at Broussard, and yeah, that, we didn't think we could talk to too many people about it because we were supposed to be tough, right? Oh, yeah, but that's... <laughs> and, uh, to lose someone yeah. that's close to you, I don't care how tough you yeah. think you are, that's... Yeah. Yeah. That got, that's a humbling experience. It was, that was. And, and, and that was one of my great disappointments. My father coached me a lot throughout my, my youth and, and pretty much all the way up until I started high school. And he didn't he get a chance he, to even watch. He didn't get a chance to see me play, Lyman. That was oh. crushing. That really was. That really was. It, I think it was harder for my mother to watch because me play with him out without him there than it he was. He put so much into mm -hmm, you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. now, how, how many brothers and sisters? I have an older brother, Skipper, who was a great athlete, and I promise you, he, um, he could catch. He had soft, wonderful hands, and he was about two inches taller than me and faster than me. And he would have been a great tight end. He was all district as a junior, but he decided to devote his senior year to basketball. and. Um, and he passed away from cancer about two years Ooh, ago. So yeah, yeah, that was it was it was a sudden it was a sudden onset. And then I have a younger sister, Risa, who was at LSU with me, and a younger brother, Scott, who signed to play football at McNeese out of St. Louis High School, and and uh, he did well. And he went into the Marine Corps and was a career um, aviator in the Marine Corps. Flew really big helicopters. And, and now we're all living right around Madisonville in Covington, Louisiana. For the longest time, I was the only person in Louisiana, period. And in the last six or seven years, they've all come back and we've all ended up right there in Covington. Y'all been know they believe in moving from place to place, y'all. Yes. Yeah. Y'all stand there, y'all would be nomads, people. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> now, growing up in... Lake you, Charles. You grew up in Lake Charles? Yes. Or... Lake Charles. Sulphur. You didn't grow up in Sulphur. No, Lake Charles. <clears throat> now, what was that like, you know, at the time when you grew up? So you, you grew up in the in the mid '60s. Mid to late '60s, yeah, mid -late early '70s. 70s, yeah. So it, that, that was that was just a start of integration. In huh? right, that was trying to start. Right. You know, that was, right. at, towards the your, your last. You know, well, I mean, my parents were very middle class, and mm -hmm. they sent us to. Immaculate Conception School and then to St. Margaret's School with the intention of having us be in, in integrated communities. And they, they saw the value in having us be around people who were socioeconomically similar to us and in other ways, culturally and racially dissimilar. I, I barely remember these conversations about why send us here and why send us there. But when my wife and I, my first wife and I were deciding where to send our child, um, again, basically these same two or three Catholic schools in Lake Charles, I talked to my mom about it and, and she pointed out their, my father and her intention of sending us there. 
And so we sent our, our, our sons, I have two sons, and to St. Margaret's School, which was um, very middle class and, and, and not desegregated, was, was integrated completely for years. And, but I do remember that. I do remember the 60s. I do remember the horrible things I saw on television. I didn't really understand it at the time in the, in the mid-60s. Uh, and then also the Vietnam War was a big thing, and I didn't really have an understanding of that. But I remember, um, I remember hearing and seeing things that I didn't understand. And luckily I had parents who were supportive and did, I think, as best they could to help us navigate and understand some of those issues so we could navigate those issues. And, and I remember being scolded and my older brother being scolded several times for not being nice to people and you know my parents what they're saying was something like you treat people as they are and as they behave not how they look and not where they come from <clears throat> and that was a lesson that i think that all four of us to, um, were blessed to have had at such mm -hmm. an early age okay. so you got well no, evidently we all know you came from a great foundation because <clears throat> you know, even when I when I arrived to, for, for, how did you get to LSU? How did how did that come about for you coming from a little small school? Well, I was lucky. I was all state my junior year and uh, got a lot of attention. We played some big, um, big. We were double A school, but we played some schools that had big talent, major college recruiting talent. So I was luck lucky enough to have done well my junior year. I think while we were playing teams that LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, people like that were recruiting. And so I did was able to do really, really well my junior year in, in front of some of these coaches. So I think that helped me. Radar. That helped me, right. And it, mm -hmm. it, probably, it, it obviously was good enough to sustain me because my senior year I dislocated my elbow and missed more than half the season. But, but thankfully they, the coaches stayed in interested because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't have no huddle and all those right. things back right. then you couldn't send in no report <laughs> <laughs> they they had they came to see you that's how that they, was it that yes was sir the way they judged you. yes sir now when i got to lsu it was your junior year right? what was your first year 77 77 was my junior year mm -hmm. correct now, i'm gonna let you know now when i got there i couldn't stand him <laughs> I did not like that, but no, you know I didn't like you think. I did not know. I'm gonna that. tell you that. I'm gonna tell you why. Though. Let's go and go talk okay. about it then. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so when I got there, I, they put me at inside linebacker. Yes, sir. I was with the rest of the crew. Mm -hmm. We had the, the most wonderful coach, Coach Hamley. Doug Hamley. Right. Right. Soft spoken, easily going. Yeah. Just a just a class guy. He certainly was. And uh, when I re when I when I got in there. It was just it was Lou Sibley was already there. Mm -hmm. Mama Lou, mm -hmm. who everybody loved, loved. and respected. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody, Lou was like the big brother, the, the dad to everybody. <clears throat> but when I first arrived there, I was at, I was in the same position as as you and some other guys, mm -hmm. Blake Whitlash, mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. Rocky Giat. No, Rocky. Rocky was an offensive lineman. No, no, Rocky. George name? Cupid. Cupid. I'm sorry, Cupid and uh, Tommy Frazell. Cupid, Cupid Frazell. That's what right. I mm -hmm. Tommy them. So. <clears throat> When I got there, they put me at an inside linebacker, and I was the only brother at inside linebacker at the time. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember that. I thought Mike was as well. Uh, Mike came after. Mike came a oh, year later. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was, so I was the only. 
I was the only. Yes, you only, were. I was the only brother. In that case, you certainly were. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I got there, and Coach Hamlin was just so, so. I mean, you know, he's just a cool guy. I would. They would call me to come in. You know, by time as a freshman, by time you get a chance to, you mm -hmm. know, to do a little playing. You know, it's like he put me in. Then he'd call me back. I'd go sit on the sideline. He'd call me back. Come on, come on. Man. And I'd go sit over the sideline again. He'd call me back. So I thought he was picking on me. <laughs> you know, I really did. Mm -hmm. Like, why you keep calling me? You know, so I'm like, and then uh, yeah, you and the other guys, you, you know, y'all was not, you know, because you remember, I'm a freshman. Yes, sir. Yeah. <clears throat> most people, most of y'all was juniors. Mm -hmm. You know, they kind of like pushed me like, on the outside, you might not remember that. I sure don't. Did we do that? Did we <laughs> do that? Too? Oh my goodness! Okay. Because, because you got to remember, I don't. I'm not even thinking about playing. Cause sure. Because freshmen had just started playing. They wouldn't playing freshmen be mm -hmm. for a while. I was not that well received. Oh. I would tell you that. Well, all these years later, I want to apologize <laughs> because, believe it or not, we all were in the same position when we were when we were starting off. Mm -hmm. I, I was lucky enough to have played as a freshman. You played as a freshman. I started six or seven games as a freshman, oh, okay. and but I was playing fullback at the time. I forgot you were you did yeah. you did play fullback. Yeah, back yeah. Too. Right. and I remember when I showed up at LSU, there were seven fullbacks on the depth chart, and I was number seven. And slowly but surely, um, things happened as they always do. But I, I guess the whole nature of, of it is is such a it's all about competition and heck what we were 18 19 20 years old mm -hmm. you know there's no telling the embarrassing the things that we did that would be embarrassing if we really <laughs> if i really thought about it let me let me make this just about myself um and and so i, re, I remember the competition well and, and i remember having rough moments with some of the other guys and i remember when coach stovall and coach mack made the decision to start me against Tennessee, which was the fourth or fifth game of the year. As a freshman. As a freshman. I remember some scowls and some um, cold treatment by some of the other guys. So, I, so if, if I did that to you, I'm so sorry because I sure as heck didn't enjoy it when I was a freshman. Because I'm a freshman. Absolutely. And, and, and y'all was all good friends. Yes, indeed. Because really, all these are really great guys. Yes, Look, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Everybody was all great yeah. guys. And yeah. to this day, we all have a very, very great relationship. And I did remember that. But the, the, another reason why you and, my, you and my roommate, who was my best friend, you was hard on him. Who's that? Demetri Williams. I, I, I really, my senior year I was, <laughs> I remember was, that. Oh, you were hard on Demetri. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because you, now as I, as I begin to look at it and understand, you was pushing him. Trying to. to, to trying to get the best out of him. Trying to. You really, and I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that at first now, because y'all had a couple of fights. Yeah, we did. But, but you know what really made me mad though? I'm going to tell you this here now. I got to tell you this here. You kicked him one day. I remember that. I do. Oh, man. Now, you know, know you know that done to the black players when you done that thing? I, yeah. I had no way of looking. I had no concept at that moment. Should I should have. But I had no concept when I did that that it would come across like that to anybody. And I remember... I remember thinking about it later. Truly, I did. Yeah, no, yeah. Co no coach talked to me about it. None of my none of my friends talked to me about it. I just remember later on thinking, "Oh my gosh, that was probably the worst thing I could have done, and the worst way I could have done it." 
yeah, yeah. Now, now as we moved on, <clears throat> you know, in your mind, you, you know, you kind of justify it. I'm thinking where, you know, because we would get mad. You, you got to get off your ass. That's basically mm -hmm. say, get off your ass, you know, you know, mm -hmm. and make this play, uh, you know, whatever you're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> but that's what's kind of the thing. I, I held that. I'm telling you. Yeah. I held that for a long like Then you became the, the what you call that? Yeah? The hall monitor. The, the hall monitor. The proctor. And I yeah. say, oh, we need, to, we need to jump on him. Yeah. <laughs> we almost got you now. <laughs> <laughs> I would have deserved. I would have deserved it. We, we was we are we almost plot. We know we was plotting against you. Oh, we gonna show here because yeah. when you when you started working in the dorm, mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. kind of we was trying to kind of plotting against mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. now because you know you really was a you was a soft spoken, easygoing type of guy. Thank you. And, and we got to know you mm -hmm. when you took that when you take became part of of the of the everyday part of of us mm -hmm. as a, as mm -hmm. players. You was you had you you no longer was playing, so you had to do your little job. But you handled us as men. Well, thank you, you didn't you didn't you didn't disrespect us. So that's when we kind of got a chance to see that. Well, thank you. But, I no, appreciate knowing that. Can, can I can I can I? I'll just be an honest. Well, with no, you no. And I, and I'm 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 glad we had this conversation because believe me, I had the realization a, a couple of weeks later, maybe that that's really the worst thing I could have done in so many respects. And I remember at, a, at one of those golf tournaments that um, Coach Saban started. No, no, it was Coach Hallman started. But it, one of the, the football alumni golf tournaments, Dimitri was so nice to me. And we started corresponding by email and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. after that. And um, I, I just remember being relieved that he had not grown up to hold that against me, you know, because I, I certainly was embarrassed about it later at the moment, and I was continued to be embarrassed about it in the future. And, and I guess that's, that's part, of, um, part of how these things go. We, we make these mistakes and we think we've gotten by them and we think we've learned from them, and, but they're still as embarrassing as heck, right? right later, right. And, and, and it hurts. So anyway, but, uh, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you told me because it's 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 nice to have heard now the full other side. I, I, re I remember Willie Teal told me something about it, and that was after I had realized what a what a made what a major mistake that was, or how inappropriate that was. Willie told me something about it in the dorm one time, and he was very very nice. And I just remember walking down that long hall, thinking, "Oh yeah, I was just." That was worse than I thought it was. But do, do, do you remember when you did that, <clears throat> that the sidelines was emptying, people was coming? Oh, I didn't see that because Demetri and I were, were wrestling, remember? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't see that. I didn't see <laughs> We were wrestling, so I didn't see that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I forgot y'all was on the <laughs> That was sick. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's a beautiful thing. We can laugh about this. I goodness, forgot. Yeah. So, so you came in as a freshman at Fullback. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what year did you transition to linebacker? Uh, my junior year was spring. Spring before my junior year, they started trying me out at linebacker. So when I reported in August, I really didn't know when I reported in August if I'd still be doing both because that spring, after my sophomore year, I played. They were they were practicing me at both linebacker and fullback. And so I, when I reported 
from my junior year, I didn't know until I got there that I would be playing just linebacker. So. Now, so, so you got you got all type of bragging rights because you blocked for the great Terry Robiscuit in, yeah, and the great Charles Alexander. Yes, yes. You got to be kidding me. I I couldn't. I remember call when my mom called to talk to me one time on the phone and check on me. I guess it was somewhere after I had started uh, playing a lot, and she just asked me, you know, what what is one of the biggest surprises and, and I told her how nice and supportive Terry was you know because I'd make a mistake whether it was a practice or a game and, and he would tell me to blow it off and, and he was just such a fine guy I mean he was he was the kind of leader that I wasn't that day that that I had that did that with um, with Demetrius but but Terry was a great guy and he was just every bit your teammate, every bit your friend, and he was kind of a silent leader at the time, if I remember correctly, but he was just a wonderful guy. And I remember when he broke the, the career yardage record in, at the end of, I guess that was his senior season. I don't know how many times they had let him run, or made him run the ball that night, but he was just completely gassed, completely completely tired and I went over to help, try and help him off off the ground and he just kind of put his down arms down on the side of him and I, I got the idea that he wanted to rest a little bit so yeah he was a wonderful guy and Charlie was the most quiet unassuming guy uh, at the time he showed up when we were freshmen we all we all remember thinking how you really had to try hard to get Charlie to talk and uh, he was just a wonderful guy, and my guy, what a what a physical specimen he was. And, and the speed for that big of a man. I know. That I know. was amazing. The it speed was. That Charlie had. It was. It was. I can remember when we were all running forty-yard dashes, that that first day of, of of practice, our freshman year, and I think we were all slugging it out to get around four. Excuse me, to get around five flat. <laughs> I was <gonna> say four. <laughs> five, five four. No, five flat. And then he and a couple of other guys ran. You mean Carlos Carson? Yeah, four fours, four fives. It's like that I'm, did. That's speed. Yeah, we, we we may think we're fast, but that's fast. And, yeah. And and how 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 much was he weighing at the time? Oh, he was when when he when we reported, he was probably less than two hundred and ten pounds, but it was all lean muscle, and uh, but they they he he did a good job, and and the program did a good job of bulking him up. To where he was when he was a senior, but he was he was very lean. He couldn't have been 210 pounds. Couldn't have been. I mean, he just he was just all, all just all just muscular, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. big old thighs. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a big old man mm -hmm. that can remove. Mm -hmm. You know, that was that was always impressive, uh, very very impressive to me. Now yes. with the game today, they say what happened to the fullback? Right. Right. <laughs> no more fullbacks anymore. It's changed so much. It, it really has changed so much. We could block people below the waist, you know, and um, we had a lot more freedom in how we got our job done. And of course, it was it was just really important because we were at that time big people were 280, and you were trying to block a 280 pound tackle or a 260 70 pound defensive end, and it was just hard. If, and if we'd had to block then, like these guys have to block now, you know, above the waist, you can't go low. 
I mean, it, 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 just, been, it would have been awful. It would have been awful. It would have been a bad situation. It would have been right? awful. But uh, they, I, I remember when, and I, I guess I don't remember the year, but I remember when the fullbacks, as we had known them, just weren't playing anymore. And I think it had as much to do with, with opening up the offense so that you could involve more right, people right. in the passing game as anything. But I just remember how much the game was changing. And then when – when you saw like Coach Miles and people like that having using a fullback uh, a lot, they were big old guys, and it that was still, run. Uh, that yeah, still could run. That still could run, right, right. But now even so, you had you had the privilege of playing on both sides of the mm -hmm, ball, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and even that linebacker, <clears throat> you know, that have drastically changed because at that time we you know we don't want to talk, talk tell on the coaches, but what they would tell us back then. Mm -hmm. to knock his block off. Exactly. You know, you, it, it, the best way to describe it is we had to be, I guess we had to be focused on what was happening really in front of us. And our responsibility was really, you know, the, the gap and a half in front of us. And we weren't supposed to leave our gap until the ball was past us, the runner was past us. And so it, uh, it was just a completely different game. We, we were so much more in tune or required to take on blockers and uh, it still happens these guys are still doing it but we it, we were it, it was just a whole different technique a whole different game and that that's why somebody who could run a five flat could play linebacker back then now you couldn't <laughs> run a five flat and play, and play no, linebacker no, you even, couldn't even get on the field no. exactly exactly good point good but, point but also uh well, do you remember we had the big lick, the big hit pots? We'd all put in. Oh, oh Lord, now you talk, now you talk, you tell it on everybody now. We'd put in $5 in the hat, and whoever got the best lick of the game would get whatever was in the pot. Look, we, we, we look forward to that pot, too. We sure did. We needed it. <laughs> so, we needed it. I mean, that's, that was a different game. Yeah, it was, certainly day. was. It certainly but today, was. you know, I wonder could we even play on that level now because the rules are so different. Yeah, it is. They are. I, I, I have no. I, I would assume that we would be trained physically better out of high school, and we'd be stronger and things like that. So, so you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't dismiss the idea that that we could play right now because just like the guys coming out of high school now, we would have been better trained physically. Good, we would have been stronger. We would have been quicker. So maybe so, who knows? It was a different teaching, different day, but we know now that you gotta be able to protect uh, the players, which is a great thing. Indeed, right? yes indeed. But sometimes it goes a little too far now. You yeah. gotta like, come on now. I don't know how some of these guys make tackles know, today. Like, I, don't, I don't, I don't. You gotta wrap them up. Matter of fact, back then if you wrap somebody up, what happened? What happened? You got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> how, many how many times did Coach Hamley <clears throat> tell us that we, we, we could have done a lot better. And then when we asked what it meant, he meant you, you, should have, you didn't strike the guy. You should have, you should have made the, a strike on the guy. You should have hit him. And uh, so, yeah, it's a different game, a different game. Well, we, had a, we had coaches at St. Louis High School had, who had played for Russ Falkenberry at USL. And they were very – that must have been a very physical coaching style and a very demanding coaching style because our coaches at St. Louis – were very much the same way, and they, they expected a lot of us, and it was also very much, you, you, go, knock, you go knock them down, you go strike them, uh, you don't just grab them. You know, no, don't grab yeah, no, arm, no arm tackling, was that the term? Is that the term? Yeah. But my, um, my, 
my senior year, Coach Tom Coosty, who had played who had played in the offensive line at USL, took over as head coach. So he started coaching some of he started coaching the running backs and the quarterbacks. And I remember he finally helped me learn how to block and just you know a couple little things he taught about you know, getting closer to the guy before you block him. Don't leave your feet too soon and and you know just that was just so important for my having learned that from coach Couste at St. Louis, I think helped me greatly get somewhere quickly at LSU. And then coach Stovall kind of took that lesson to one, one step further. I think he told us something like you almost step on the guy's toe or foot before you strike him. And so I, I think those were with what I had learned from coach Couste and then coach Stovall adding that last, I guess, level of, of, um, of analysis, it, I think it, it helped me, and I figured it out pretty quickly. Did you enjoy playing for Coach Charlie McClendon? I did. I really did. I, I didn't. We didn't know the Coach Mac that I had heard about before. He had obviously mellowed a lot by the time we got there. You know, we 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 didn't see some of the the things, the physical things, fire and brimstone. right? The fire and brimstone that I remember <laughs> hearing about him and, and that some of the older guys were talking about at the time. Um, so we never really saw that. We, we saw a guy who was fairly mild mannered and, and who was as supportive as he could be, you know, in, in, in how he approached things. So, you know, I just didn't see the, the coach Mac that I heard some of the older guys talk about and had heard about before I got to LSU. And the same thing with Coach Hamley. I remember, well, I think the joke among us was Coach Hamley doesn't coach you by fussing at you. He coach, coaches you by embarrass, embarrassing you in a, in a, in a way that, is, that makes you so sorry you did what you did. And, and I think his saying was, Thad, you a better football player than that. <laughs> you know, he, he never raised his voice. It was, that was jo George, you a better football player than that. And, make, make you feel bad, and he huh? may just feel so bad. How, how could you not try better? So yeah. And then Coach Stovall was very upbeat, very, very out, um, not outspoken in a bad way, but he, he was very vocal and always was coaching, always had something to say, always had an instruction to give. So, so I was lucky to have played with both, um, both extremes of the coaching style. Hmm. That, that is pretty interesting. Also, like when I reached, when they put me on the outside, me and uh, our dear friend who's no longer with us, <clears throat> uh, Mama Lou, the great, what we call the great Mama Lou, Lou Sibley. As a matter of fact, we both uh, went to his uh, funeral, funeral mm -hmm. uh, that was held in uh, Opelousas, 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 right. several years ago. And uh, but when they when they put me on that on that in that position, they say it was only temporary. You know, temporary lasted four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but because of of Lou, I, I gained a lot of insight and knowledge about that position mm -hmm. quickly because mm -hmm. I didn't play. You know, that position. So he really helped me, and, uh, and Lou helped a lot of us. And uh, mm -hmm. we know we're really thankful for Lou. Now let's move forward. Now let's say, let's see, when you started working in the dorm, what point in time you decided, okay, football is over with. I'm not going to play in the NFL. I'm going to be an attorney. How that came about? Well, I, I knew, I knew maybe my junior year in, in, oh, yeah, in college. I knew in my junior year in college I wasn't going to play in the NFL. I, I was too slow. I had hurt too many things. Um, I wasn't a very 
I, I wasn't an, an, an NFL caliber linebacker. I knew that right away. I think I was a much better fullback um, than I was a linebacker. I, I enjoyed linebacker a lot more, but I was a much, I think I was a much better fullback. So I figured out pretty quickly I wasn't going to play in the NFL. I, in the back of my mind, I know I had thought often about being an attorney, um, but I don't, I don't really remember any moment where I decided this, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I had worked in banks, in the Calcasieu Marine Bank in Lake Charles. Uh, my roommate at the time, Jack Lawton's family. Uh, oh, well, plenty of money there. Yeah, they, they were the primary <laughs> owners of the bank, so I was lucky mm. enough to be able to work some summers there. And so I, would, I was thinking that I would, I would become a banker, and I got a degree in commercial yeah, that's, banking. That's what I remember you going, you right. were working at the bank. Right. Okay. But then sometime, I think sometime my senior year, I just started thinking more about, okay, this is getting ready to happen, what next? And I remember thinking... And I wasn't sure I wanted to practice law the rest of my life, but I thought that having a law degree would make me a better banker or really at the time I was hoping to get somehow into the oil and gas business. So I thought a, a degree in you know, that kind of financial degree and then a law degree would help me there. So that's kind of how I made the decision. And uh, it, it, LSU at the time was really... Well, I think they describe their philosophy as we're the state school, therefore we have to be fairly open in our admissions policy. But once you get here, you know, we, we don't have to graduate you. So I think um, they, would, they would accept a lot of people every year. And then by the second, the second your second year, mm -hmm. half of them were gone. Right. And um, I remember really being intimidated about being in law school. and. And since I had finished in four years, I was thinking maybe Coach Mack could pay for my fifth year uh, as, as being my fourth year, excuse me, pay for my, my first year of law school as being my fifth year like a lot of athletes get when you redshirt. And he told me he couldn't do that, but I, he, if I wanted to be a coach, he would love to have me and that he could pay my tuition at law school as a graduate assistant. And Lyman, I remember being so intimidated by law school that I turned him down. I turned him down and then he said, well, okay, you can live in the dorm if you'll be a, a, a proctor or a monitor. And, and of course that helped me greatly financially. Plus I got to be around y'all and I got to be around basically three more classes of, of recruits, football players. So it was really a good thing. Uh, really allowed me to transition easily from being a player to not being a player right. anymore. And people don't realize that's a serious. It is. Product, it, you know, in particular, guys that everybody think they're going to the NFL. Right. Now. Yeah. And it's 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 a it's a it's a tra it's, it's traumatizing. In in, in, in a way, in, in a way, it, it there are some good things about it because. Yeah. Physically, we feel better. Right. You didn't do that. You went to play professionally, but we, you know, we got well and, and physically we felt better. But there was just something missing in our life that was exciting, that was demanding, that was challenging. Um, we didn't have the everyday camaraderie, particularly the players. Like I, I was lucky; I could still be around y'all for a while, um, and still have dinner with y'all and things like that. But you know, all of my teammates, when we finished, they were all gone. You know, and I know that had to have been hard, and that has, has to have been hard. So, um, 
it was really a good thing for me um, being able to stay in the dorm and, and, and truly when that last group left that I really didn't know, and I think that might have been... Just a while, but... Well, I think it might have been the Alan Risher... Um, um, it was the Alan Risher, the... I'm talking about my, on my side, the Lawrence William, Malcolm Scott. That's true. No, well, you know what? They were... Those, really guys, the, those guys came aboard when I was in law school. I'm just trying to remember. I just remember when the last group of, of freshman players who came in while I was still in the dorm had finished playing their football at LSU, I kind of lost the interest. And I, I didn't come to games, didn't go to games regularly. And so it was kind of an interesting time for me that I wasn't always looking forward to the next home game and, and I started thinking about that and it's because I didn't know any of the players anymore. So this, just that camaraderie and getting to know people and, and hopefully becoming friends with them and not making stupid, terrible mistakes in your friendships with them um, really I think is, is one of the hardest parts to get over. Uh, I think you know, the, the things people think about, the limelight, the attention, you know, I think that um, a lot of ways you don't really miss that. It's nice, it's nice to have some, some privacy and some anonymity, and it's nice to be able to make mistakes that don't end up in the newspaper and, and on television and things like that. You can't explain it to most people. Right, right. So you know, the things that I, most of my friends and I have talked about missing is just being around each other and, and having the, the team and competing and, and having the, the chance to play in the SEC, that's kind of what we missed. And now let, let's say now, and, and once you cycle through the process, like our days now, mm -hmm. where you don't even feel part of the university, you kind of, you, you feel it now like you felt when you, that, that last group cycled mm -hmm. through, mm -hmm. where you was like, I'm not connected to the university anymore, I'm not connected to the players, I'm not excited about the game. So what, how, how, what, where are you now 40-something years later as it, as it relates to LSU and LSU athletics. I, I do remember going through that period, and, and I do remember not really even reading the paper on Sunday morning to check the scores, and, and I just wondered why. And I guess it, it was, there was a disconnection. I don't think it was a noticeable disconnection. I don't think I had any, any regrets or any animosity, but there was you know, a, a disconnect. And I want to say maybe 10 or 10 to 15 years later, continuing to run into Coach Nader and people like that. Uh, and then having children at the time, I have two sons who were interested in going to football games. I think that kind of renewed the interest in going to games and then being in the stadium and experiencing the, the, the stadium. You exposing them to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think it kind of, it kind of, renewed my interest and it, it, it reminded me of, of, of some of the pride we took in playing. So I, I it, it, there was nothing, there was no defining moment where I was re-engaged. I, I just remember feeling better about it and being happier and looking forward to going again. And, and I guess that would have been in the 90s. So it, there was, a, there was a, a good 10 years or so where I think I was, I was disconnected. And I think a lot of us felt that way. 
Now, when people say, y'all got it made, y'all went to LSU, LSU take great care of you. When, mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you, when, you, when you leave, what's your thoughts on that? Well, when we're gone, you know, our health is our health, mm -hmm. and it's up to us to take care of it, and it's on us and our insurance, health insurance, to take care of it. Uh, I think that with the change in the coaching staff, which apparently had been happening most places we were you know lsu was just lucky to have had that 18 years with coach mack and his group um, but with the change in coaches we just didn't know the coaches we didn't really um, have a connection with them you know if we ran into them somewhere on campus if we were there you know didn't know to talk to them so um, there really wasn't an ongoing connection with the program itself, but insofar as the alumni that um, I had met through the years and the alumni in Lake Charles, like Mike Duhon, who was a former player, and Emmett Soul and, and um, LaRue Stevens, Dr. LaRue Stevens, and I, I know I'm gonna lay out some names, but there were, there were some LSU people there who would do anything they could to help you and they did help me get summer jobs while I was in law school and things like that particularly Emmett Soul he, he just did a he was just yeah. a wonderful yeah, wonderful man Emmett back Soul. then and he's still a wonderful yeah. friend today I yeah. remember Emmett Soul, a good mm -hmm. man yes really indeed man. yes indeed and and I think that that maybe has helped us try to be more open to helping players and and students and former students and former players because I've gotten a few phone calls that I was more than happy to try to, to help with, you know, with jobs or introductions, things like that through the years. Um, so I, I, I think that there's a good after experience connection now that maybe I just didn't know enough about when I finished school at first. But I think it's there, I think it's there. You hear these great stories about Texas A&M and Notre Dame and places like that and their alumni base and how much they do for each other, but I, I think we, I think we have it here, I think so, but, um, but, but we're still very much on our own. You know, our, it's our lives that we have to make, mm -hmm. um, and no one's going to do it for us. Right, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm gonna tell you what situation happened with me one time. Now this is after the fact. I, we sometimes we didn't think LSU packed fair with some of the players. Uh, Hokey guys and I came out the same year. Uh, as my dear friend is no longer with us either. But Hokie got drafted third round, I got drafted second round. They call us during the summer, during the spring season, to come and speak. Well, Hokie came, I came. Well, I find out they paid Hokie $500. They didn't offer me nothing. And I was glad to come and be a part of that. Yes, indeed. But that's not fair. That's not, that's not right. Know, that's not fair. That's not right. And uh, so those are kind of things yeah. that, when you see it happening once, you figure mm -hmm. it happening over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And so these are kind of things that you contend with, you contend mm -hmm. with and continue, then you become very leery sure. and, you know, of, of, of sure. what's going on around you. And sure. you know, you, you're just glad to be here. You know, and sometimes people take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. You know, they, mm -hmm. know, they know that. And that's, mm -hmm. So those are the kind of things that I say that I had an issue with mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, but now the players can get paid mm -hmm. and it's, that's gonna be another issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, let's go back to your, to you and your, you know, as an attorney, what type of law do you practice? I, right now I do a lot of landowner work. I help, help them with oil and gas leases, pipeline agreements. Well, you are working in the oil and gas business. I, it, it, it worked out eventually. <laughs> okay, um, 
I also do a lot of help. I help people with their wills and their estate planning. And, and when people pass away, I help with the successions. Uh, because of my business background, I am able to, I'm, thankfully, I have some business clients that I help with uh, just legal matters in their business. Uh, but that's, that's primarily what I do. It covers a lot of ground, what I just said, but that's, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And it, um, I don't go to court a lot, and that's uh, probably been good for me because I, uh, my job and my life, I think, have been really stressful at times. And people who go to trial a lot are just constantly dealing with stress. It's like, I guess, every day during the week in a trial is like Saturday night in, in an in a SEC football game, if mm-hmm. I may. So um, I don't do a lot of trial work. That was kind of a conscious decision on my part early on, but uh, I made that decision and, and I've been, I, I think it's been good for me. Um, and what I've done, I think kind of suits my personality and my disposition, I guess. So I, 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 I'm comfortable I made the right decision about the kind of law I practice. And it's, it's not as much fun as it used to be. I'm out of my, oh, be candid. It's not fun anymore, and, and I think it's, it has to do with how long I've been doing it, and I know that's a part of it. I think people are just different today. Um, I, I, I don't have an explanation for it, but I don't think we grew up to be the adults our people, our parents grew up to be. Um, and so it's just a lot harder to, to help people, and it's a lot harder to work with people. Uh, so I... I I don't find myself enjoying it as much as I used to, but every now and again, I'll, I'll, I'll help somebody. And I'll go home at night and I'll put my head on the pillow and I just say, you know, I helped somebody today and it worked out. It may not have worked out perfectly, but it worked out for them. And, and so then, you know, I, I get some renewed energy. Um, but I'm 65, I've been- Are you old man? Yeah, I am, I feel like it. <laughs> I'm sure we feel a lot older than our age than we should be. So, uh, you know, I, I have no plans to retire, but it, it's just not as much fun as it used to be. And again, maybe that's just the maturity that's, that's to be expected. I remember when I was a young lawyer listening to some of the older lawyers say the same thing. And so I guess it's just my time to be in that and, and just to keep going as long as I'm helping people. Yeah. Right. Now, how many children do you have? I have two. I have two sons. Jake's my older son. He went to St. Louis and then he went to Rhodes College and then LSU Law School. Oh, another he, lawyer. He de- no, well, he decided not to practice law, so he finished law school. And he, he finished law and decided not to practice. Decided not to practice. He did what you thought about doing. He, he did exactly <laughs> what I thought I did, right, right. Okay. And he's working for one of the um, tax appeal boards here in Baton Rouge. And younger son, Michael, went to LSU and then to LSU Vet School. And now he's uh, doing an optimi- veterinary ophthalmology specialty at Mississippi State. And, uh, and they just had their first, he and Ellen, his wife, had their first child. Well, so that was, that was my first, yeah, my wife and I's first grandchild in December, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was, I had a really good recruiting trip to Mississippi State way back in 1974, I guess that was. So when, I went to, when we went to visit my son for the first time, it was the first time I had been on that campus in forever. And it was just, it was really a cool, it, 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 it was there in Starkville, Starkville. Yeah. Starkville. Yeah. So it was really a cool experience to, to be there for the first time in gosh, however many years since 1974. But anyway, I, we, we've been blessed with really good boys and really healthy boys and uh, they've grown to be good men. So we, 
we're proud mm -hmm. of them and we're very happy for them. Now, I don't know if uh, you, you talk, it's kind of interesting that you talk about that you have people with wheels and test and all this mm -hmm, kind of stuff mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. after the, the loved ones have passed on. Now, I don't know, are you interested in that? You want to talk about to, you had some losses, some serious losses in your life. I did, uh, I did. And, and, they, and all this can also impact the way you see life and how you move forward from this point forward too. Yeah, I mean, you know, much like I remember feeling like I felt when, when you lost your father, I'll be meeting with a family who has lost someone and there's a 17, 18 year old child who's just getting ready to, to start being an adult and the father's gone or the mother's gone. And, and yeah, it, 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 I won't say it causes flashbacks, but it certainly tugs at me and certainly um, puts that feeling in my stomach that's you know, just not, not what it normally is, not very pleasant. But I think it, it has helped me with insight. It's helped me um, understand people who are going through these difficulties. It's, it's helped me understand some of the thinking, some of the things they decide to do and, and, and some of the things they decide not to do. So I, I think that um, having those experiences as an 18-year-old helped me, helped me be a lawyer. And I think it's, it's um, helped me grow up more quickly as I, I would think mm -hmm. it did you. And I think, hopefully that's made me a, a better adult, a more understanding, caring adult. Um, I, I, co I, like my father, coached a lot of children's sports, including my two sons all the way up. And I think having all of that helped me be a better coach too. I think, I'd like to you, think so. I think you're a good coach. <laughs> Not by today's standards. Nobody would pay me for it. So. But in, in today's society now, I mean, I mean, they, a lot of the players did a lot of drinking back then, right? We did. We, we certainly did. We don't call those days. Or parties. On the ground, we don't want to incriminate anybody, right. but a lot of drinking. Right. But the drugs scene is on a whole nother level now. Yeah. Uh, what you see, what you see, what, how, you, how you see that in a way is impacting athletics, but also family members. Yeah. Now, people, they're overdosing on just on things that normally... That was not a case at one time. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's happening with that? I, I don't don't have any answers. My the, the mother of my children was a, was a prosecutor and then and then a judge. And so listening to Patty and her friends, fellow prosecutors and fellow judges talk about these issues for years, it um, I, I just think that a lot of us, a lot of us don't understand or know about how other people have to live and um, you know sometimes they make decisions that contribute to them having to live in those circumstances but a lot a lot of times it's just the way things play out for them and um, do you know Virgil Robinson he was a great player at Grambling and then was with the Green Bay Packers the and the Saints okay well Virgil and I served on the Blue Cross Blue Shield Board of Directors together and he Virgil just retired but I remember having conversations with him and Mike Bruno and Sybil Morial about some of these things. And you know, Virgil just looked at me one day and said, Dad, there are two Americas. And there's America that most of us are fortunate enough to live in. And then there's a whole nother America that's not like that at all. And we just talked at dinner that night about it. And, and I think 
a lot of people don't know about that other America where there's not opportunity, where there is um, multiple um, socioeconomic problems that keep people from, from finding a way or, get, or, or getting there that prevent parents and grandparents from, from doing for their children that the things that they, they may want to do. And I think, again, I don't have any answers and I certainly don't have any, any insight to it, but I mean, I just think all of those things affect the world we're in. And, and where I'm going is I had always heard from my first wife, Patty, and her friends that there's just this terrible need for indigent criminal defense lawyers. And so I always said that if I ever had a chance, I would do that. And you know, the way things out, right around, the way things worked out, at the time my, my sons were finishing high school and going into college, uh, Patty and I got a divorce. And so I had a whole different um, life and I had a lot more time and, and I um, decided that I, you know, I used to always say if I ever was in an opportunity where I could help with indigent defense, I would do it. And so I did it for two years mm -hmm. and I got to know a lot of people that um, would never have made, I think never have made some of the decisions that they made if it wouldn't have been for the circumstances they were living in. And, and I just remember this one young man, he was literally living under an overpass where, inter, where Interstate 10 goes over Enterprise Boulevard in Lake Charles. And you know, just hearing things like that was just an eye-opening experience to me. And, but a common thread in a lot of these is, of course, no money. And then the other common thread is drugs. And um, it, I guess it just starts my, it starts a spiraling of, of life in a way that's not healthy and then at some point is dangerous and, and it just makes so many people, I think, um, not capable of, of helping themselves. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not making excuses and, and I'm not saying that um, this country isn't um, a, a good place to be and a good place to live. But, but again, you know, as, as Virgil said, they're, they're, they're just different situations and, and oftentimes the situation that is so good for some people just isn't available to other people. Right. And of course, it's, it's, it, it's across all racial and, and ethnic lines, those things happen. And I, you know, and I think mental illness plays such a big, is, has, is such a major effect on things in our world and in, in our society right now and in our communities. I think if we don't figure out how to better help people with mental illness, you know, some of these very same things that we're talking about um, are gonna keep happening because that manifests. Mental illness sometimes take people and takes people into bad as I said, the dark place. Right? Yes, yeah. I mean, Bad choices and uh, things. I mean, Satiety has to figure out how to do better. Maybe doing better is doing it differently. But um, yeah, I think the, the statistic is at least 20% of our population has a mental illness. And, you know, that's, that's contemplating that 
addiction is a mental illness too. So about 20% of our population is that. So that's, that's, that's high. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. And, and the thing I didn't know is that um, sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes it's, it's inherited. And, you know, so this isn't a problem that we're ever going to solve. You know, there's never going to be a vaccine that's going to fix this, that, that in, not in our lifetime and probably not in our children's lifetime. So I, we, we, the people who are trying to help figure this out and the state legislatures and the Congress who allocate the money to these programs, I think, just have to find different ways. What I learn is that some people, and this isn't every person who has a drinking problem, this isn't every person who acquires an addiction, but part of the mental illness experience is they, a person who's suffering from that will drink to medicate mm -hmm. the, the, the bad times. You know, some people will take other kinds of medicine to help medicate the bad times. So I think the, an, an additional fact is that oftentimes an addiction and a mental illness go hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yes, sir. That's the perfect way to say it. And if we don't know, how do we recognize that? You know, because you know, to see a, 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 a teammate. Yeah, I may have my cigarettes and I want to drink. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So, but you yeah. know, but so we. Now we knew we had a lot of some crazy, some crazy football players on the team. I mean, so I don't know if that would be a, a mental illness. It's just crazy, I guess. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it's there's having fun. There's being ridiculous. There are being stupid. Oh, now, now there you, is being stupid, and then now, and there's mental illness. Now, yeah. you, now, you, now it sounds like you're talking about Big Ralph, the six seven, offensive lineman, Big Ralph McAdoo. Do you do you know a person who loved life <laughs> more, more than, than Ralph? Ralph did back then? He still does, by the way. He still oh, does, no, but no, no. but uh, I, I he he was just larger in life, larger I mean, than I life. Mean, he really was. He didn't have to play a dog. Yeah. He just enjoyed life, yeah. Yeah. and he made sure everybody around him enjoyed Had, it. Right. Right, right. Uh, he had that kind of personality. Yes, yes, indeed. yes indeed. And he still does. Still I, does. I have not seen Ralph. Can he walk now? Because he couldn't walk this. He's had knee replacements. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and and he's, he, he has uh, been through cancer and has come on the other, uh, on the other side of it uh, maybe a couple times. But he and Galen have, I, I only saw the daughter. They had, they had several children, two or three, and I've only seen one of the daughters as an adult, and she's, a, she's as beautiful as Galen was, and she's just almost thank, as tall as thank Ralph. God, thank God she took after the mama. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But uh, I, I, um, I think we talked. Ralph and I will talk on the phone, or texting has gotten to be such a good thing for quickness. But um, I guess it's been like six or seven months ago since, yeah, since we, I heard we, But we, we, he's we, still we, doing well. We, we don't want to talk about Ralph because his children might hear this. That's true. Because Ralph was a very nice, respectful, hardworking guy. <laughs> He did go to class. He went to class. He did go to class. After he got back from the club. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph enjoyed life. I mean. I have a couple of friends that, there were a couple of bartenders um, who, um, Steve McGinnity and Jim Magoo and John Morgani, who were at the White Horse and places like that where we used to go. And they still tell Ralph's stories, you know, and, and John Morgani and I got to be really good friends and we went to law school together. And every night again, just out of the blue, somebody will say something and, and he'll top them by telling a Ralph story. So, yeah. <laughs>
Ralph. Ralph, we love you. This is all in love. All in love, Ralph. Yeah. All in love. Oh, but you, I never know you to be a heavy drinker. No, I, I mean, I, I, had, I had some of those moments with Ralph and everybody, myself. But uh, I guess almost all along the way, I could not have a drink. And I, and I think whatever, whatever, whatever my makeup was, my genetic makeup was, I could have a drink, I could, I could have a lot to drink, and then I'd be fine having nothing for a long time. And of course, the, the addiction, layman per terms, the addiction um, experience is once you have whatever it is you have, drink, whatever else, um, then it's very hard not to drink more. And at some point, you, know, you, you apparently do lose control. Because I mean, that's what addiction is. You really just don't have the control to not do it, I guess, in, in its simplest form, or your, your, your mind just won't even let you think that way. And even if you have these moments where you know you need to stop, whatever the compulsion is in your brain to make you want more. That kind of reminds me of like, if I see you running into this wall, I say, Dad, you're gonna kill yourself. Mm -hmm. But you keep running into the wall. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me drinking, alcoholism is basically the same thing. You see? If you're an addict, Whatever your addiction, as I understand it, truly whatever happens in the brain, whatever predisposition, genetic predisposition in your brain, at some point it, it controls you and you need intensive help, intensive therapy to reel it back basically, to, to, to begin to think clearly, to learn some skills to help you avoid the temptation, you know, because we use the word temptation, and I guess that's what it is from a human standpoint. But again, this is all generated in their brain. It's not somebody being lazy. It's not somebody not caring. Because when you think about, when you think about whatever the addiction is, what people have lost, how could anybody intentionally do that? How could anybody who really has choice like you and I know choice, let, let their lives get there, let, suffer the losses that they end up suffering. So, so it, um, again. And I don't care what level of education right. or profession, it happens to any mm -hmm. and everybody. And, and I've been blessed, both my wives, Anne and Patty were just these incredibly intelligent, I mean, scary smart, Patty was scary smart, Anne is scary smart, beautiful people who have a side that allows them to, to, to do their profession and also this side that's just so soft and um, vulnerable. And um, you say once this, whatever this happened in the mind, mm -hmm. in the brain, and, you, and, and it overtakes you. Mm -hmm. It does. And you, you know, so you, you end up losing, yeah. whether it's your life, mm -hmm. the ability to make a decision, mm -hmm. or, or, or make a quality decision, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it impacts everybody around you. Mm -hmm. And you still can't stop, you're still out of control. Mm -hmm. No matter what you say, how you say it. Mm -hmm. Whatever dopamine, dopamine kick, alcohol, or whatever the addiction drug is causes in your brain at some point it's 
it's all you want if you're if you have an addiction it's just all you want and, and I'm butchering this I'm just not saying this well enough but I mean again I guess the best way I can say it is at some point you know they don't have control like you and I think they don't have choice like you and I think um, and if they don't get help or if they won't allow themselves to be helped which also is part of, of I guess the the journey then it, it just spirals out and it becomes a terrible situation. Now, you, now you, you sound like a great advocate for mental illness, suicide, addictions, and all that. But you never had an addiction. I don't think so. I, you know, I was one of the guys who drank a lot. We had fun. You, you did drink a lot? I did. I, I, don't did. Remember you, I don't remember you being a hero. Well, thank you. I do not thank remember you. that. You know, but I mean, I... I did. I was I was at a lot of these places and times that we're talking about. Um, and then after school, um, yeah, when, when, when I got out of, during law school, it's the same thing. I was with basically the same guys and I was doing the same fun things. And, and then when we got out of school, um, had money for the first time in my life, you know, $35,000 a year job for the Ooh, first time. Yeah, time. yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, we did the, we, we were still drinking a lot, but at some point I could stop, you know, and I, I remember slowing down when I had my first child, when Jake was born, it's like all of a sudden, I can't do this anymore. I shouldn't want to do this anymore. And it wasn't a problem for me not to do it anymore. Um, apparently that's just not the way it is with some people. Well, I, 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 I caught myself laughing both at myself and at other people, you know, we all began to run after we were through, you know, I, we all started running to lose weight and then we all started running to help get over surgeries and things like that. And so a bunch of us in Lake Charles were running and jogging and all of that. Um, but I never felt compelled to check my time. I never felt compelled <laughs> to, to, um, place in a race you know I, I remember one of my friends yeah. fathers drove there's really a nice stretch in Lake Charles along the, the downtown lakeshore where everybody jogs and I remember somebody saw me jogging with Patty one time and she 20 yards 25 yards in front of me and my my friend's father sent word to me that he can't believe that I would let her beat me like that like you know so um, but I, I, I I knew what my limit was at that point. It, it, it wasn't necessary for me to, to place and show in races. I was happy to finish. But you know, as athletes, we are extremely competitive. Yes, indeed. But yes, only indeed. to things we think have a value to it. I agree. Yes. That didn't have enough value it for, did you, not. for you to just jump out. It but didn't. to her, it was important. Right. And to some of her friends, they'd sit around for hours talking about this time and that time and their personal best. And, and you know, I'm. I found it interesting, but it's, I guess it was, it was their version of what we went through when we were lifting weights or when we were running stadiums and how can we, how many can we do without falling down and getting sick and things like that. What do you call it, gasser? Yeah, gassers on gasser. up and down, yeah, yeah, so, but. Um, but we, we had enough of that already. I, I, so that's the way I looked at it, I had had enough of that. But like I tell people now, they say, uh, <clears throat> oh, did you watch the playoff? No. Right. Yeah. You you gonna you gonna watch it? No. Yeah. I say I I want you to understand. I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. I played the game. Yeah. 
it's you different. Know? It's different. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I did not watch certain things, mm-hmm. but it's not. I'm not compelled to go. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't miss a game. Mm-hmm. I can't miss the the uh, the big games coming up. with just a game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that playing organized sports taught us a lot. Pretty much from the beginning, and you know, we learned how to lose. We learned how to not get our way. Lose with dignity. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. We learned how to take instructions. We learned how to be a part and not necessarily the show itself. Um, and I think all of that, um, I think, helped me be a better person. Still made mistakes, obviously, but uh, along the way and still, still have a lot to learn. But I think all of that all of that goes into the experience, and, and, and I still think it's going into the experience now. But um, at some point when, when I realized I wasn't gonna be in the NFL, you know, it was okay with me because you know, this wasn't something I was gonna do for the rest of my life anyway. Um, I understood about losing and, and having things come to an end because I had had plenty of that already. I understood my limitations because no matter how hard I tried, I wasn't going to run faster than a five flat or a four nine. I wasn't going to lift more than a certain amount of weight. Uh, I wasn't going to be able to weigh more than a certain amount, than a certain amount and still be able to, to move and, and so that I could compete. Um, so when it was over, I think I had already figured out that this is a game. It's, it's an important game. There's a lot of money in the game. Even back when we were there, there's a lot of money in the game. A lot of people put a lot of emotion and interest and connection into a bunch of 18, 19, and 20-year-olds running around doing stuff. Um, but it was a game. You know, it, it, it was a game. And um, I, I don't think I had a lot of trouble letting it go. Um, I've waxed and waned on, on watching sports. I, I li- I've always liked baseball more than football, so I've watched baseball pretty con- yeah, con- Cause we had the age most of us played baseball. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I've watched football kind of on a coming and going basis. I, I you know, I, after I did some of those gambling leagues where you put teams together, you, well, I forgot what we called them back then, but uh, urban leagues and, but anyway, uh, after I didn't do that anymore, where I was having to watch people to see which one of my players were doing well and not doing well, you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just kind of quit watching games, you know, and, and uh, when a lot of the players that I grew up admiring weren't playing anymore, I lost interest in it. And then when a lot of y'all weren't playing anymore, I lost more interest in it. So, so truly now, I... I don't watch it every Monday night. I don't watch it every Thursday night. I don't watch it every weekend. I, I don't. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go through periods where I'll get interested in, in a player or a team. But and, it, and to me, the, the most fun you, I do have if, is when I do come to an LSU game, whenever I decide to do that, and see a lot of the fellas. Like, yeah, we I've ran been. into each other. Yeah. That was this year? Last yeah. year. Ran into yeah. each other last year. <clears throat> and that's the joy. Yeah. You know, that's the, the feeling of, oh, man, good to see the old guys. Mm-hmm. Who, who's doing what? How so-and-so doing? And, who's limping? Yeah, and who's, and who's, got a new, who's got a new limp? No, who's not limping? <laughs> uh, who's not limping? And, you know, and, mm-hmm. but I, I enjoy that when the guys come back and you're able to sit and 
and have fun, mm -hmm. you know, and talk about it. Well, we visited a couple of times at Chris Rich's tailgate. Yeah, Chris, that was the yeah. most, that was yeah. always fun. And he was the guy that held our class together. Um, he was that and, nucleus. Huh? Yeah, and he would have a, a, a fishing party, a fishing weekend, or a, he just, uh, and, or he'd have a duck hunting weekend. And Dr. Chris Rich. Dr. Chris Rich, yeah, orthopedics um, in Alexandria. And, and he and Vicky and Vicky's brother, John Rainey, would drive their motor home in and park it on that side yeah, of the, yeah, 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 and we were all there. And it, it, it was just so much fun. And, you know, I, I it's kind of hard to explain, but I just kind of felt a calmness when I was around everybody, you know, and, and most of us, I think, grew up very grace, grew old very gracefully, and um, it, we just looked forward to it. And I remember a couple of times we didn't even go into the game; we just hung out. And, Look, that's what you ain't got to go yeah. to the game. You yeah. come to hang with your with yeah. your friends, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and you can let your you can let your guards down. Yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. you know, because everybody know how far to go. Right. Even, even when they're drinking, yeah, they were joking, they clowning, but they ain't gonna cross that. Mm -hmm. So you know, we can mm -hmm. you can just have fun mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember mm -hmm. the last time. Because Chris is no longer with us, right. he's been gone about three, three years. years mm -hmm. About three years, and uh, we lost we lost a soldier. We mm -hmm. really did. Mm -hmm. So we lost a good one. Uh, but the, in the last time I remember, we was walking down the what do you call that the hill. Mm -hmm. Chris mm -hmm. and I and a bunch of guys. Yeah. Over that. And I and I knew that he wasn't doing yeah. well. Mm -hmm. So I went I went made that walk mm -hmm. with you know be a part. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful. I remember that day. I do remember that day. I, I remember that I, day. And I do. I'm yeah. so glad for that. Well, thank goodness Rocky Giot, who was an offensive lineman with us. He, he couldn't block me, though. He, yeah. rocked, he couldn't, he block couldn't me. catch you. <laughs> None of us could catch you. Um, Rocky has kind of taken over being the, the, the ramrod of the weekend. And they just did it, um, got together at a duck camp a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't get to make that. I had a, a follow-up. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Rocky, now you're starting this conspiracy years ago that Thad already started. You, you, ain't, you ain't calling none of the brothers, so you, this is a racist, a racist issue that you're doing intentionally. Well, I have, I have, I have to say, <laughs> brothers have been invited. <laughs> brothers, Chris always was, and Chris always invited brothers, and, and Rocky, Rocky still does. I mean, see, I know because you know Charlie. It was it was only a handful of guys there mm -hmm, anyway. Mm -hmm. It was Charlie and just a few guys. So yeah. So I, I mean, at that time we only only Chris only played with about uh, with only a handful right. of guys. Right. Really, so right. You think about it, because Chris mm -hmm. was a year older than you. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so. They all redshirted, and so we finished together. Oh, that's right. how you finished. Mm -hmm. So you didn't redshirt. No, I didn't. No. Oh, you, oh, you got you like that? Huh? So oh, that's all right. You and I got something confident. All right, then. All right. <laughs> we have a good thing in common, as yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. But uh, anything else you want to mention or talk about? Now, now give me your, your son's name. My older son is Jake okay. and younger son is Michael. Michael, uh, Jake played at Rhodes a couple of years, played football at Rhodes a couple of years. Now what is Rhodes? Rhodes is a, is a school, a small school in, in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's a, he's, he's, both of my sons are scary smart, like their like their like, mother. Like Rhodes Scholars? Not Rhodes Scholars. <laughs> it's just it's the name of the school. Oh, okay, but good. it's 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 a college up there. And then younger son, Michael walked on in 2011, so he was able to be a part of the team that went to the national championship game that year. And, oh, okay. and yeah, so they they both had their experiences, and I was glad of that, and I was almost as glad. I was almost as glad when they decided not to play anymore because 
they'll feel better than I'll feel when they get to be my age. Oh, man, it's amazing. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You can't explain it to people. We just really no, can't. No, yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean it's, it, it's, it's brutal on the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I went to an NFL event right before COVID. They invited the player. When I tell you, you got some guys can't even control their fingers. Mm -hmm. They got arthritis in their fingers so bad. And, and I've heard those stories. And, yeah. and they had knee replacement, but that's not even helping. Right, right. Because the, right. the bones have degenerated to, to a point where mm -hmm. the, that's, the body's not made for right. that kind of uh, right. con constant stress and grown wear, men. Wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. grown men hitting, yeah. you know. It's, it's fun now, but you know you gonna yeah. pay later. Mm -hmm. We don't want to discourage nobody. We mm -hmm. don't want we want to you know let know that football is a wonderful sport. Yeah. It's a enjoyable sport. I know. I guess I would. I, I would do it again if I had a chance. What about you? I would. I would. I think there was there was more, much more good in it, um, than than bad. Um, you know, I think I'm one of those group that remember more of the mistakes I made, the things I didn't do well, you know, the, um, the contributions to losses. I, I remember that more than I remember the good stuff. But even, even all of that considered, uh, I, I would do it again because there were just so many good things and it was just a wonderful opportunity. And I met so many mm -hmm. wonderful people. And um, I think I grew so much by being around I mean, it was 90 something, 100, 100 well, guys. Hit, hit by 125. Yeah, 100, yeah, 125. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I learned a lot. And I, I think I was a better person for having done that. Now, you, you was a team leader when they put you on defense. But did you become a team captain your senior year? I was. I and Charlie thought, and I were yeah, captains. I thought you yeah. were. Okay, mm -hmm. then. So what else you got? What else you want to share with it? No, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. It's, it's really been enjoyable. I've, I've learned some things and I, um, I'm glad to have learned some things. And I, um, I just really appreciate this opportunity. I think this is so good that you're doing this. Oh, thank and you. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it when you asked and I'm just so glad we, we got yeah. to do it. And look, I'm just, uh, I certainly expect all the information and insight and you share in your heart. And that what makes this, you know, I, I love captains, the, the stories of our mm -hmm. former players, mm -hmm. because you know, everybody got their own, right. the, you know, the great, right. the good, the bad, the ugly, and it's just part of life, right? right. And, but it, being able to share that, <clears throat> and also to, to, to share stories about the other guys that yeah. was there that participated, yeah. you know, and this is, so it's always fun and I look forward to doing these and I'm looking forward to doing, doing many other shows with former players and, the new players, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm more like I want to, mm -hmm. you know, preserve our story, our history. I never looked at it that way, yeah. but perfect. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, because yeah. We, nobody, nobody should tell our right. story. Right. Our story, you know, right. they, they didn't do like they do now. Right. Now they, they are really recording your story every day from the yeah. time you get out, get in high school, right. college. But that time, you know, we, mm -hmm. we, we got to thank God they didn't, because my partner, like Steve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It would be it would be good. Huh? Some some things you don't want to, you don't want people to record. But i just I, uh, we we say this all the time, but it, it bears saying again. I'm just so glad there weren't uh, handheld phones with cameras oh, back then. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! The stories that could be that would be shown, not told. Yeah, the stories not, that would be shown. Yeah, we don't get to clean them up. <laughs> we got you. We got you. So it makes a big difference, though. But I really appreciate you coming down to Baton Rouge. You live in Covington that drove here to, to uh, sit here with the Lodd Cook Center where 
they allow us to continually do shows here. And I appreciate my dear friend, John Grubbs, who makes sure that, uh, that he accommodate us and accommodate the, the player, former players, uh, to make sure that we get a good interview and have a great time together. But I want to thank you once again, uh, Thad, for being here and sharing your, your history, your story, and your life. Thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me do this. It means a lot to me. Welcome to Count Time. Thank you, thank Take you. Care, Man can shackle the hand. Man can shackle the feet. But only you can shackle the mind. The mind is free to travel wherever you dare to take it. Welcome to Count Time Podcast.